Welcome to the SoGrow Marketing Council podcast. The SoGrow Marketing Council is a membership organization comprised of growing marketers who want to stay ahead of developments in multiple areas of marketing. This podcast features recordings of SoGrow Marketing Council meetings. Tune in to hear expert marketers share tips and discuss the latest strategies and tools in marketing. To join the next meeting and be part of the discussion yourself, visit SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com and click on the Marketing Council tab. Let's get growing. Welcome everyone to the SoGrow Marketing Council. We are so excited to have you guys today. This is a membership organization for executive level marketers. The idea is that we get together once a month and we share educational informational tips so that we can all stay up to speed on what's happening in multiple different areas of marketing. So we have people here today that represent sales, social media, content, PR, all these different areas of marketing. And the idea is that the presenters will share a short tip in their particular marketing discipline so that we can stay up to speed on multiple different areas of marketing, be more valuable for our clients, and not have to necessarily do all of that research on our own. Another benefit to this group is that by knowing other marketers, we're able to network with other marketers. And if we have a client that needs PR, they probably need social media, they probably need graphic design, they might need these other services as well. And that's the main reason why I started this organization. I had so many clients ask me, do you know somebody that can do website design? Do you know somebody that can help with sales? And I didn't. I didn't have somebody that I trusted that I knew that I could recommend. And so by doing this, we're able to share business. And then we can also help each other. Let's say somebody needs to hire somebody or they need a vendor for something, then this is a great group to reach out to as well. So how the meeting works is that we have presenters who submitted tips previously, and they're going to share a four-minute educational tip. So these are not commercials about your company, but these are really informational tips that are going to help us to learn something about your area of marketing. And, you know, we'll find out how great your company is and we'll all work with you because we'll know, you know, that you're brilliant, that you're an expert, (laughs) but, you know, we're just going to keep this to be something that's more educational. And then we'll have about a minute for questions after each presenter. So if you have a comment or a question for the presenter, this is informal, feel free to jump in. You don't have to be on mute unless you feel like you have noise in your background. This is definitely conversational. And then when you do share your tip, please remember to say your name, your area of expertise in your company. And then for everybody who's attending as a guest, even if you're not presenting today, please feel free to put your name and your company and your contact information in the chat section. And that way everybody can get to know you guys and you guys can you know, have coffee or ice cream as we talked about a moment ago. And then for future meetings, if you guys want to network with everybody, we have 10 minutes before the meeting. So log on at 9.50 and we just talk and just get to know each other during that time. So definitely arrive a little bit early when when you can and that way you guys can get to know everybody. So I'm going to put the order of the chat or the order of the presenters in the chat today. And if somebody hasn't logged on yet, then we'll just skip them and go to the next person. But that way you guys just know who's going to speak and who's coming up. And then if you guys want to present at a future meeting, you can submit a tip. Um, Sarah, if you could put that link in the website, it's sogropr.com backslash submit. And you just submit your tip there and then we'll let you know which meeting you're able to present at. And then um, also don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. So we have all of these meetings recorded. 
So you are on camera, so don't say anything, you know, sensitive about client information or proprietary <laughs> information or, you know, your family, anything, anything that you don't want public, but definitely go back and listen to all the podcasts that we have. There are just, you know, hours of great smart marketers sharing tips in their area of marketing as well. So one thing Abby, that we let's, um, let's take a picture before we get started. Yes. So I that is do. one thing that we like to do because we like to warn everybody that we love to just take a picture. So we remember who's here and then we promote it on social media. So I will count to three and you guys can smile. Okay. Ready, set, one, two, three. All right. And just in case somebody close their eyes, because it's usually me, I'm usually with some scrolly face, <laughs> I'm the one doing it. All right. We'll do it one more time. One, two, three. Awesome. Sounds great. So, all right. So, um, Scott, would you like to kick us off today and share a tip? Yeah. So good morning, everyone. My name is Scott Siegel. My company is Momentum CPG. And my area of expertise is sales. So most salespeople will tell you, you have to get to yes when you meet with your first client. My tip today is that's not a good idea. What I want to share with you is not getting to yes at the first meeting. It's a great strategy. So we all prepare for client meetings. We all want to make sure we ask great questions. We want to make sure we build trust. We want to make sure that we're connecting with our clients. We want to make sure we're being helpful. And we want to make sure we're being curious. If you want to get to a yes, you're going to get to a yes. What I would challenge you to think about, that's not a good idea. You're going to assume too much, right? You're going to be too happy. What I would encourage everyone to do is be authentic, be honest, and this is the most important tip, don't have happy ears. Listen for what you don't want to hear. What you want to do is demonstrate that you're an expert. You want to recap what you heard. And if you simply ask that client, how would you like to proceed next? And remember, it's not about you. It's about them. It's about playing the long game. And if you ask them how they would like to proceed next, I can guarantee you, I can't guarantee, hopefully you will get closer to a yes. So that is my tip for the day. Scott Siegel, CPG, in my area of expertise is in sales. Awesome. Yes, Scott is our featured expert in sales. That's a great tip, Scott. So any thoughts or questions for Scott? I love about listening for what maybe you don't want to hear because we obviously, we always try to focus on the positive and jump right to that, you know, and, and I guess addressing it, not just, you know, sometimes the stuff you don't want to hear, actually that sticks out in my mind more because I can be as an editor, like sensitive to not making any mistakes. And so if anyone is unhappy in any way, I feel immediately defensive or whatever. And then I have to be like, okay, it's feedback. How do we address, you know, and how to, how to move forward with that? Do you have any tips for how, how to address, you know, if there is negative feedback, how to. I, I, you know, my tip would be just to listen and, and simply you can say, tell me more, share with me more what you're thinking. Right. The, the, the term, tell me more, tell me more. What you're doing is you're putting that person in the driver's seat, right? They want to tell you something, but if you're 
talking, 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 and you're not listening, they're not going to tell you more. So it's just simply say, so Rebecca, tell me more. And that's very true with sales too, I imagine, because there's so much into the pitching and let me give you all the reasons why. So being able to step back and listen to their reservations gets that's you a new enough. angle. The, the best salespeople, you know, they don't sell. They ask great questions. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes those questions too, you know, we end up doing a lot of math on those first calls. Mm -hmm. right? You're like, well, you know, what, is, what does each item sell for? How many would you like to sell? You know, you can start putting that math together. So you're like, oh, well, so if you're looking for a hundred more sales, then now we know that's worth a hundred thousand dollars. And then you also say, how do you make decisions at your company? And you figure out who are the stakeholders. If you're a big enough company too, you've really got to make sure that you've got the right people, especially when you come back with a plan, right, Scott? And you're it's like, I, I'm not going to waste my time putting this in front of somebody who's then got to do my road show to somebody else. That's the worst. It, and yeah, now you're like... Yeah, you always want to make sure you understand who the this the decision maker is. Right. Right. And you're going to ask those questions that you assume, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. That doesn't go well. Howard, I like that point as well because it's it's like um, by following up with the questions, you're being curious, mm -hmm. and and people love you know if you take that approach from being curious about where they're coming from. You're learning, they're revealing more. My favorite uh, experience was, a, not his favorite, but sit, I spent an hour talking to a guy who called me in to help him put together PR for his company. And as we're talking, he, he was the VP. And as we're talking, the president of the company walked in and said hello. And he looked at me and the VP said, oh, this is Mitch. We're talking to him about PR. And the president looked at me and looked at his VP and said, huh, I didn't know we were thinking about that. <laughs> Huh. That's, the, that's the tone, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I walked out of there, sent a proposal, and never heard a word back. Exactly. There you go. Well, thank you, yeah. Scott. It's I feel like with us being marketing sales, it's just underlying for everything. So I always appreciate you bringing yeah. your tip, Scott. It's super helpful. So, um, all right, Sarah's gonna present her tip next, and then um, Sarah is also our timer as well. I don't know if I mentioned that. So you yeah. know, as you get to four minutes, she will have her timer go. So if you hear that, that's what that is. But um, Sarah will present next and then Rebecca. And if I have your name and for some reason you decide you don't want to present today, that's fine. You can just send me a chat and just let me know. Um, but then we'll do you, Rebecca. So Sarah, would you like to introduce yourself and share your tip? Yes. Um, so my name is Sarah Stewart. I'm an account manager um, with Sogar PR. We offer public relations and social media marketing services to clients looking to gain media and brand exposure and increase their top line revenues. And I have a tip today. I'm gonna to talk about um, 10 tips for preventing errors on social media and mishaps. So I'm gonna share my screen. Here we go, share. All right, so do you see my screen? Uh -huh. My little animal. All right, 10 tips for avoiding errors on social media. So I always, um, this is always important. Uh, my background, I started in journalism and writing and then got into public relations later. So like avoiding errors is always really important. Nobody wants to get caught with their, you know, error out there. So um, I'll start with this story. So I was, you know, when we do our content planning for our clients, 
Um, we usually do them a month in advance. So when I'm coming together with content, you know, you're sitting there, you're, I'll look at different media calendars. Um, HubSpot has one, Hootsuite has one, and Twitter came out with one about a year ago and they marketed it. Oh, we have this new, you know, media calendar. It's really great for planning and all this type of stuff. And Twitter had more um, sports events and things like that, which are usually a big time for marketing. So it's like, oh, this is great. I'll use Twitter for my, my social media planning. So you're planning out a month in advance. You know, it's, it's sometimes hard to put yourself in that place, like when you're a month in advance. Um, and we got to um, some of our posts that come up and it ended up that our post for the Emmy Awards came up five days after the Emmys. So I'm like, how is this possible? So it pops up and the client is like, why are you posting about the Emmys five days after the Emmys? And I'm like, September 18th, where in the world did I get that date for the Emmy Awards? The Emmy Awards were on Monday the 12th. So I'm so embarrassed. I go back through my notes. I'm like, how did I do this? And then I realized Twitter was wrong. September 18th, 2022. It wasn't me. I'm not crazy. So anyway, Triple check all dates, times, numbers, even if it's from a trusted source. Um, don't ever take one source when you're doing that type of stuff, especially when it's going to be out there a month in advance. Triple check all holidays, of course, all names, businesses, events. Um, another one I ran into, triple check any words from another language. You know, obviously, um, you know, even if you get the spelling right, if it's another language, sometimes your spell check will think differently and it might correct it and add an E on the end or something like that. And that could be really embarrassing if you're trying to seem multicultural and international and you misspell something popular like bon appetit. All right. Um, another one I ran into, I can't believe Twitter, y'all do not use Twitter for your media planning. Grandparents Day. They had September 12th, but then it was September 11th everywhere else. So I had this great post. It was really family friendly for, you know, a business that does a lot of B2C um, business and things like that. And the post came up on September 11th. And I was like, oh, that must be wrong. September 11th is September 11th. So I took it down. And then I came and I was like, yeah, it's September 12th from Twitter. And then I looked on other sources and it was September 11th. Very frustrating. Anyway, all right. Um, more, more avoiding errors. And these are just, you know, tips for anything. If you're doing press releases or articles or things like that, always edit fresh. Have like a separate time for creating the content and doing all the creative work. And then a separate time, you know, don't, you know, you don't always need as much time to edit as you did to create, but give yourself a good chunk, you know, and start fresh. Do it that, wait until the next morning and give it a fresh look. Look at it on a different screen. You know, if you have to do it same day, get up, go walk around, do something different for a little bit, come back, look on a different screen or print it out. Look at it on a piece of paper. You'll catch things that maybe you didn't catch and avoid getting that error out there. Um, of course, keep a list of common errors you make. If you ever, you know, do anything with apostrophes commonly that you shouldn't or get a word wrong, keep a list of those. There's a lot of apps. The Grammarly has a really good plugin that like you can use throughout all your, you know, digital communications like that. And it catches lots of little things. Um, if posting live on social media, always, if you post it, go back and look at it. Look at it on your mobile. Look at it on your tablet just to make sure that 
nothing is cropped off and nothing looks strange. Um, and one more quick tip um, after you post, um, check the post the week before they go out. If I had done that with that Emmy Awards, I would have caught it because I was already seeing media coverage coming up for Emmys or on Monday, et cetera, et cetera. And I would have seen that. So I didn't check that one you know, the week before. So for all those published posts, give them a quick eyeball before they go out. Um, after any large event or disaster, always check. Um, when the queen died, I went back in and I looked at anything. If there was any you know, jokes or references or anything that would have been off color, you wanna check for that. And then of course, follow the accounts that you manage. Check them in the morning if you can to make sure everything looks okay. Happy posting, that's my tip. Sarah Stewart, I'm also our social media expert for the Sugar Marketing Council and that's my tip. Does anyone have any questions? Um, yeah. I have a couple couple of thoughts. I don't I don't know if they're necessarily questions, but questions may come up. Uh, one is you know you talked about check checking triple checking holiday names whatever, uh, and and you started in journalism. I did too. Um, one of the lessons I, I always remembered from my journalism, I believe it was journalism 101 class, and I have carried it on for the next, uh, what are we, 20 years now? Ooh, man, more than 20 years, 25? Jesus. All right, anyway, um, is uh, facts. Don't ever get a fact wrong. Like, you know, uh, all, the, all those other things you named, how, it's all a fact. Like, yes. any fact you are putting down, like, that's the shorthand for holidays, names, events, blah, 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 blah dates, all that. It's all a fact. If you get a fact wrong in my journalism 101 class, if you got a fact wrong, you got an F, you got a zero on that assignment. You could then correct it and get half that back and get a 50 if you got things right. But uh, you got a zero if you got a fact wrong. And that that burned into my, my brain. Uh, you can't get a fact wrong. In journalism, you cannot afford to get facts wrong. That's where corrections come in. That's where you lose credibility. Uh, same thing now. There's corporate credibility. There's social media credibility. You can't get a fact wrong. So if you're putting any fact into your social media or whatever, check it, check it, check it, make sure all the facts are right. Um, and then um, the second thing was, you know, you, uh, I think one of the things, one of the ways you can avoid making an error is uh, look into using a, a, a platform that allows for a good workflow, that allows for things to be checked down the line. Instead of posting directly to social media, there, there are a lot of, uh, of different platforms that will allow for a workflow that will allow you to have something created and ready to be posted, but then it, it gets moved up the chain to have other sets of eyes on it that they have to make the final decision of whether to actually post it directly from that platform. So that is a way to, to create layers of checking where you're not posting it directly and, and, and going without a net. You can have that net where you're able to get other eyes and you can like check a box that this needs to be checked by this person and this person, you know, before it needed to have two sets of eyes on it before it gets checked. Uh, you can set that up. You just have to have the right um, the right platform or whatever in place and then set up those workflows to be able to help so you're not just, you know, I'm just going to post and hope it's right. Uh, you can get it in front of the right people to make sure that at least other eyes are on it and, and you're not going, going it alone. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, we do. Like we, um, we actually, it's funny, we had, we had three eyes on that Emmy post. <laughs> yeah. So, and it had been in a Word document gone client approved you know back and forth um but but you're absolutely right like it's so important and i love the
platforms. We use Hootsuite a ton. And um, I love I love that because I like being able to see something, have someone else approve it. Um, it makes everyone more comfortable for sure. Yep. Awesome. Great. Thank you. Great tip. Great feedback, Jeff. Thank you. And Rebecca, do you want to introduce yourself and share your tip today? Yes, thank you, Stephanie. I'm Rebecca Britzi. I'm a management consultant. One of the areas I work in is competitive positioning, which of course then feeds directly into market positioning as well as marketing strategies. And that's the basis of my tip for today. Uh, it starts with a story of a, uh, a social media agency that contacted me because they had a client, we'll call the client Acme Company, who kept coming to them and saying, we want these three things and they would put together a spec and or an idea and the client loved it and then they would act on it and the client hated it so they were loving all the ideas hating all the final results and so the agency eventually called me to do a deeper uh, to facilitate a deeper discovery session they were saying this client clearly does not have a strong idea of what they actually want it's swimming somewhere in their head and they're struggling to extract it so the work that I did with that with that Acme company, with the final client, is my tip for today. And what we did was look at their business in terms of what the business is, what the business is like, and also what the business is not. And what that means is, first of all, what the business is, what do they do, who do they do it for, and of course, the so what test. Why does this matter to anybody out there in the world? Then we look at what the business is like, and there we're looking at their competitors similarities, differences, and again, why those matter, both the similarities and the differences, what those say about the business itself. And the third area we discussed is what the business is not. And this is often the most challenging because if I say to somebody, if I say to Acme that uh, what are the options for their clients to do nothing, to not buy from them at all, Acme's initial response to me is, well, they fall apart. I mean, it's just not an option. But of course, that's not true. There are a lot of substitutes to any business out there. There's a DIY option. There's a replacement option. There's a generic option. There's the status quo. Any business can choose not to purchase, not to move forward. They can choose to shift their budget somewhere where they think there is a bigger problem or a bigger fire to put out. So clients actually have a ton of options. And once we examined all of those and talked about what their clients would both lose, but also gain from all those different options, we have done a full discussion of what the business is not, as well as what it is and what it is like. So when you come out of a conversation like that with the client, you've got two very tangible things. First of all, a, an updated, if it already existed, value proposition, it becomes much more concrete, but also this great explanation of what's in it for their clients, of exactly how they make a difference in their clients' lives, work-wise or otherwise. And of course, in this story, I was able to then present that to the social media marketing agency who could actually run a spec because they had this comprehensive view. The client is happy because they've come up with it because this was all done in a facilitation session. And they are very comfortable now talking about all the ways in which their business actually impacts clients' lives. So the moral of the story is when a client is asking for something that completely contradicts itself within the same sentence, which I'm sure happens to all of us fairly regularly, then talk to them about what their business is, what their business is like, and also what their business is not. And you will have brought them on a full round the world journey to actually see their business from multiple perspectives. That's really good. That's great. Or you can call Rebecca and have her come in. 
Yeah, uh, if they're driving you crazy, I'll facilitate it. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That's so great, Rebecca. Thoughts or questions for Rebecca? So, Rebecca, that was very helpful. So, who do you include in that conversation? Is it the owner? Is it the leadership team? How do you, who are the important people to have in that meeting? It's the decision makers. So, that's a little bit fluid, but certainly the owners. And in a small business space, it's generally just the owners. If there is a marketing department or a person responsible for communication in any way, then it's good for that person to be in the meeting, regardless of their decision-making power. Because if they are part of decision-making, obviously they influence it. If they're not, but they're acting upon that information, then for them to hear the whole discussion rather than just the results it is better information, more comprehensive for them. Thank you. I feel like that happens a lot in graphic design too, where the client can't quite get yeah. the image solidified in their head. And so something comes out of the process and then they look at it and they're like, well, that's not what I was thinking. And it's, yeah. it's this long process. I feel like that could really alleviate a lot of that on the front end to make sure that that final product is, is what they're looking for. So that's great. Awesome. Thank you, Rebecca. And Jeff, would you like to introduce yourself and present a tip and then Mitch? Uh, yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm Jeff Hawes. Uh, I, uh, I am the, uh, director of content marketing, new, pretty brand new director of content marketing over at a company called Implify. Uh, we, um, we are a, a fairly large company now, but it, it was a combining several companies. You, some of you may have heard of social bakers. It's probably the one that was the most, uh, well-known and most used, uh, but a few other companies, Astute and iSolutions and, uh, and a fourth, um, it came together into this larger sort of Frankenstein company. We are all uh, social media. So we help marketers with social media and connect better with our customers through that various ways. Um, so uh, my area of expertise is content marketing. Um, and uh, I also worked with uh, SoGro at a company called Message Gears here in Atlanta uh, for, uh, for a couple of years. And uh, so that's how kind of how I know them. But um, uh, I wanted to talk about uh, thought leadership content. Um, what company doesn't like the idea of being a thought leader? Um, I, I think it comes up a lot, you know, right off the bat, it it sounds really great. You know, the, the higher ups, they hear that and they, they think, wow, like uh, you're, you're thinking, right? Like that seems good. You want to think, uh, and, uh, that's, that's gotta be better than not thinking. And, um, and you're a leader, like everybody wants to be a leader. We all want to be that. So it's gotta be good. Uh, there we go. It decided we want to be considered thought leaders, content marketing. Let's go ahead and do it. Let's get on that now. Um, there's only a little bit of an exaggeration of the conversation that often happens, you know, in the higher ups uh, levels of the, of the company, even at a big established companies. Like, I think they mostly just like the sound of, hey, you guys are thought leaders and think it sounds like a really contenty thing to kind of do. Um, but what do they mean by, you know, let be a thought leader? What do they expect from content? To the extent they know at all what they want, um, something like salesy content that will presumably impress the audience and everyone who's reading so much uh, with all the thinkiness that's going on that they'll sign up for demos by the truckload. What they really want is the best of both worlds. They want to not surrender much, if any, ground on talking about themselves and their value prop while still getting the reputational and credibility benefits 
of saying something that is interesting and profound about the industry uh, that their customers or they are a part of. And it doesn't work. Um, if you're told that higher ups, you know, want to make the company a thought leader, uh, you, you know, as a content marketer, you have to start asking questions and probably do a little bit of education. What do they mean by thought leader? What goal do they expect to achieve? And you have to remember that become a thought leader is not a goal. It's not measurable. You can't, you, you can't aim for that. How do they want it to be measured? Whatever their goal is, how do they actually, what do they want to do to try to figure out, have we reached it? And then you have to make clear, thought leadership is actually content that is authentically helpful and insightful about topics of interest to your audience. Uh, it doesn't try to sell. No, not even at the end. Sorry, sales team. Uh, people see through that immediately. Put sales and demo requests aside for a moment. Worthy goal, but that's not the goal of this. Try to create content that will actually be truly helpful. Answer frequent questions, address problems, help them be better at their jobs. Concentrate entirely on the reader rather than being insular. Not to say thought leadership a campaign has to take up every moment of your time for however long you're trying it. You can still mix in more sales enablement types of content, write about your product releases, talk about whatever, you're gonna help businesses get more conversions with your product. Great, talk about it, that's great. Keep that in the, in the mix. But it is to say, you need to keep coming back to that authentically helpful well over and over again. Don't lose sight of it. Plan out a wealth of content that could qualify and keep knocking it out over several months. Buckle up and make sure the higher-ups are buckled up too because uh, it's not going to bear fruit anytime soon. It's a long game. Treat it as such. Set expectations modestly. If you can keep your eye on the prize, though, and create consistent, frequent, compelling, helpful content across various channels, over time, you'll find sentiment and web traffic trending in your direction. And maybe when your higher-ups actually hear, hey, you guys are really thought leaders, it'll be true. I love that. I love that so much because, like, um, so before I was at Sugar PR, I was... Um, with an education association and we worked a lot with um, private schools and private school headmasters and things and thought leadership is just like constant and huge and I think it I mean I guess you know it's always been a thing but it definitely happened with um, Steve Jobs and and you know that sort of I, I want to stand on his TED talks I want to stand on a stage and you know inspire and have the big you know moment and then everyone's just going to go buy my product and it's just going to be magic and it's that whole digital marketing magic anyway just like put it out there and make it so you know yeah and we run into a lot of clients where they're not saying anything new or educational and so we have to push them and say you really do have to like you're talking about like think like you have to come up with something that is valuable because you can't just go out there and say the same thing as everybody else because it's not really leading or thinking. It's just regurgitating everything else that's out there. So I think really having to push clients because most companies have it. They just haven't been pushed to really get it out there. But some companies just really have to, in some ways, like reinvent themselves because if you don't have it, like if you literally have nothing there, then you really have to start looking at your business model and your company and say, you know, 
where can we stretch to actually bring something fresh to the market? So, so true. So good. Thank you, Jeff. That was yeah, really great. And that's really a luxury of a large and profitable company is to say, I'm going to invest in a long game in content. Usually, usually when they come to you with content marketing, what they really want to say is take words and turn it into dollars. And you know, so we've, we've even stopped doing organic social media and said, you, you need Facebook advertising. Um, and you need Google advertising. If you want dollars from this stuff, that's what you have to do. We can write stuff. We can make you sound smart. But what you want is money. Back to uh, Rebecca. What is it you really want out of this thing? Well, we want we, we want revenue to uh, we want to pay you money and get revenue back from that money. And uh, so it's nice to be thought of as smart, but maybe do that someplace else. But we, um, we find we find with yeah. a lot of our clients that the the sales cycle for their product or services is really long. Yeah. Like a year or two years. You know, we worked for an accounting firm and companies don't switch accounting firms like they buy a hamburger. They spend a year or two trying to figure out researching. Do, and I, do I need do I need to change this? And they don't they don't want to do it because it's a it's a pain in the neck at neck to do it to make that change. Um so you know, a PR campaign or a, a Facebook ad campaign is not going to convince a Fortune 50 company to say, oh, gosh, right. I saw that Facebook ad. I, th I think I'm going to go with that account right. from tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to fall for uh, that clickbait. Right, exactly. Fill <laughs> out that survey they're asking me about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, um, and, and yeah, I, I like I like thinking of thought leadership, like being a thought leader and having content as kind of a luxury. Like, you're right. It is a like it isn't. It, it it isn't going to drive revenue tomorrow. It is not going to you know like right. I said, buckle up. It's going to be the long game, and 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 so you know a lot of hires like they're just seeing the shiny object. It's a buzzword. Mm -hmm. We want to be seen as a thought leader. I think a lot of them are CEOs or CMOs or whatever who are hobnobbing with their friends and they and and they think, wow, wouldn't it be great if they said we were a thought leader? Like, wouldn't that be? But they don't have any idea how to measure it or to find out. Like, right, right. What does it even mean at the end of the day to be a thought leader? Does it just mean when you're going to cocktail parties, people tell you, oh yeah, you guys are a thought leader? Like what what's the revenue goal on that? What is the how are you going to tell when you're there? Are you gonna go to a party with your with your your C-level buddies and they're gonna tell you that? Or do you actually have a measurable goal? Can we look at overall sentiment? Are we gonna take a survey of our of our prospects and our customers now and take a survey later and talk about sentiment are we considered a thought leader are we going to look at is it just web traffic are we looking we just want to increase web traffic what do we want what is the actual right. goal we can, we can go toward here because it can't be we are considered a thought leader because that isn't that isn't really a thing i mean it's just it's a it's this nebulous idea that ooh, we're a thought leader um and and where at the end of the day like this has to run up to revenue at the end of the day yeah. how how is it going to do that? Right. Do you, how do you envision that, that this idea of, okay, we're a thought leader. What, what's the, what's the path to revenue here and, and how much of the time and effort is it going to be worth it? Because it's, it, you know, um, if you're going to go into this, you have to recognize that we're talking a year or two down the road of doing this consistently. It, it to not do that, to, to start like, hey, we're going to be a thought leader. And then three months later go, oh, this isn't working. It is like opening up a restaurant and, and six months in going, well, the, the, I don't understand why we don't have people flock, flocking in the door. And the way we're, we're, we're losing the money. Food is good. Right. Yeah, spend the, time on the, the food. food 
right. where is everybody? Like yeah. you, if you're going to start a restaurant, you need to, to be ready to not be making money for three to five years. If you're going to start a thought leadership campaign, you need to be ready for it not to bear fruit for a year or two. You've got to do, and it can't be the only thing you do. You've got too much other content. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it is a luxury. It is a, it is a luxury of, of a mature content organization, a mature uh, marketing organization that has really accomplished a lot of your other goals. And you're like, oh, now we want to be a thought leader. And, right. you know, it's cool. It's neat. You like it at parties, but does it run up to revenue? Yeah. And it, it led misguided souls, you know, five years ago to go buy followers. And if you've ever worked yeah. with a company that's like got a lot of followers, but their engagement level for posts is really low. You're like, yeah. oh, you, you bought these, didn't you? And, uh, and uh, I didn't realize you had so many customers in South Asia. That's interesting. You had so many customers on Twitter with an egg. That's interesting. That's a good, yeah. that's a good uh, right, right, right. A lot of yeah, our our right, client yeah. says, how, "How much will it cost to get me a blue check mark?" <laughs> uh, I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't think they sell those. <laughs> well, and we we've had this conversation with clients. Well, they'll say we want to purchase influencers and and do and do this yeah. and that with influencers and pick the influencer that has fifty thousand followers and say, okay, that's great. But when if you spend five hundred dollars on this influencer, what's your return on it, and how are you tracking that return? Yeah. And sometimes they're tracking it just based on that number of influencers, not on, as you said, not an engagement or response. So yeah. good, great. Good. I love it. One, one more, one more piece. I'm going to go back to Rebecca talked about thought leader. Define it. Communication. Define it. Leadership. Define it. It right. comes down to roles or responsibilities. If you don't name it, you don't define it. It's garbage in, it's garbage out. Yeah, true, true that. What what I wrote down, Jeff, from what you said was what Stephanie highlighted, that shift from thought to think. So yes, you want to be a thought leader. Well, what do you think? Let's start there. Well, Make sure there's something behind it. That's why they hire writers to tell them what they think. Come on, <laughs> that's why we're here. <laughs> so true. So good. Awesome. Mitch, do you want to introduce yourself and share a tip today? Sure. Um, get, let me get to my notes here. Okay, so Mitch Leff, uh, company is Leff and Associates Public Relations, been in PR for 30, 35 years, working this company for 20. Uh, we specialize in public relations, media relations, crisis communications, and media training. So my, my thought for the day is the value that earned media carries, carries often a lot of credibility that paid advertising doesn't necessarily carry or carries in a in a different way. So I like to talk to clients about how do you get into the media? How do you integrate your company, your product, your service into the media conversation? And the key thing is, you know, the rules in real estate are what location, location, location. So my my rules in PR are preparation, preparation, and preparation. So look to see what's going on in the world. So look to see what's topical. You know, this week uh, there was the the Fed announcing another rate hike, so we knew a week ago that this was going to happen on Wednesday. So we started talking with our business professors that we work with and said, "What do you think about this? What do you expect?" We've been doing interviews all week with TV, radio, newspapers around the country, saying, "Here's here's what to expect. Here's what it means. Here's what's going to mean for consumers," um, and and you can anticipate that kind of thing that. The challenge that I, the thing I see very often with, with companies is they want to take their product, get it on TV. They want to take their product, get it in the newspaper. And they think, I want a story about 
my new widget. Uh, but if you watch TV, there's not a whole lot of stories necessarily just about Acme to take to take uh, someone else's client there. <laughs> you know, a there's not a whole lot of stories about hey, Acme introduced a new widget today. But if you say Acme is introducing a new widget, it's going to employ ten thousand people. <clears throat> it's going to increase revenues for the state of Georgia by five hundred million. It's going to help our trade surplus. It's going to help with you know supply chain issues. You create a create a story that links into that. Uh, so you can, you can look look for those opportunities. And and the you know there are plenty of economic reports that come out every month jobs and employment and, and real estate and consumer prices, you know exactly when those are going to come out every month. So think about how your business, your client can comment on those. There's a guy in, at the Atlanta paper who writes every month about job numbers. And every month he's looking for an example of someone who has lost a job, got a job, is searching for a job. Media is about telling stories. So he wants, you, you want to find those stories to tell. Uh, and I will say that as part of that, everyone needs media training. Wow. Everyone who says, especially the people who say they don't need media training, they need the media training more. Uh, they need it to be comfortable. They need to be, able to be able to get their messages across. They need to be able to understand the difference between a radio interview and a TV interview and a print interview. You know, the basics of, you know, not doing this when you're doing, when you're talking to a reporter, looking up in the corner as you're, as you're talking to him happens all the time. Uh, so we we do that, and you know we'll train anywhere from one person to fifty people at a time, depending on on what it is. Um, oh, and and make sure you've got a plan to merchandise this. You know, take your earned media, put it on your social, put it on your website, use it for presentations, use it in at conferences as part as as, uh, as talking points. Um, take uh, clips and make a make a sizzle reel out of it that you can show into to new clients or existing clients. Figure out how you want to share it. Um, some of the law firms we work with get a good part of their business from referrals from other law firms. Right? You got a family law attorney and they're being fed clients by bankruptcy attorneys and real estate attorneys and tax attorneys who are often the first to find out, hey, my client's getting divorced. They're got to change their taxes. Hey, let me, they're going to need a divorce attorney. So we'll, let's send them to my buddy there. So it's not a reach to consumer media. It's a reach to their their referral streams. So you figure out which social channel, which professional channel makes sense for that, and you know what's the age, what's the demographic. Those referral streams aren't necessarily on Instagram. They're probably more likely on on LinkedIn or Facebook. So you figure out what channel makes sense, and and we've got I know we've got a bunch of social media experts here who can talk to really being very specific about which channels for which clients. Uh, and I, I'm sure that's close to four minutes, so I'll I'll open for questions. <laughs> yeah, you're just you're just good. I think that the media training side of things, I think people have this very narrow view of what media training is, and they think if I'm talking to a reporter, I need to make sure that I'm trained to do that. But with Instagram Live and Facebook Live and so many other things where people are just on video, marketing videos, all of these things fall into that category as well. And people are not necessarily trained in how to do that, but yet it's so prevalent now that it's it's a bigger thing than just people who are sitting in front of a, a reporter doing something on the news. It's it's so much more valuable than that today. Well, and it's and it's message development and message delivery as much as it is media training. I mean, we we almost we don't really don't even call it media training. We call it 
presentation training or message delivery. I mean, I, I remember being at a at a party with a client. There were several people from this client at the party, and I was walking around, and I ran into one one lady who was managing partner, and she was describing her firm as, "Oh, we're we're a major accounting firm." And I thought, "Huh, that's not what I heard the other managing partner say about twenty feet away." He said, "You're a management consulting firm specializing in change management." And she's and so I I talked to that we have to be doing media training the next week. And I asked her, I said, so that they were both in the room. I said, so you say you're an accounting firm. You say you're a change management firm. Which are you? And they looked at each other and the, and the top partner said, we're a change management firm. We're not an accounting firm. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay. I get it now. But she was walking around this room full of prospects telling them, well, we're an accounting firm, which is a whole different connotation than a consulting change management firm. Uh, so I always tell folks that the message development is not just for media, it's for prospects, it's for current clients, it's for influencers, it's for government officials, it's for anyone you talk to that can affect your business. They need to have their, you need to be delivering the right message. And so, for employees yeah, as well, apparently. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Internal, I didn't, I didn't get into internal communications. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't, I don't do, I don't do a ton of internal communications. We do you know, a little bit over here and there, but it's not. It's a, it's kind of a specialized thing. I have some friends who work for Home Depot and Delta, and they they that's all they do is internal communications. It's you know it's something we do sometimes, but it's not our our main focus. A fun exercise is to get everybody in a room, give them all a piece of paper and a pen, and ask them to write down what the company's key message is, and then have everybody read it. And yeah. everybody's eyes just get really big because they're looking around and nobody's saying the same thing. And then uh, okay, it's time for a key messaging exercise. Uh, <laughs> get those yeah. well you know we we try to encourage clients to have that message development session before they do the media training because otherwise because part yeah. of the training is talking about messaging and if we get to that point and they haven't done that yet then they they don't know what to say so it makes the media training and the presentation training much more effective if they've done that message development first uh, and you guys are probably i mean most of you have probably done this kind of thing you, you could sit around the table for hours kind of wordsmithing and trying to figure out what is the message but you just have to generally get to what the messages are and give we tend to give people <clears throat> variations on the theme so they can put it in their own voice a little bit but there are certain words and key phrases that should be in whatever you're saying but then we work with them to figure out how do you say this so it doesn't sound like you're reading off a piece of paper no. and and we work really hard not to make it sound like uh you know like a, a, a corporate uh, message development workshop result right, right? I mean, I mean, you know how it is. You, you you read sometimes you read a marketing company's website and you you read through it three times. You, I cannot figure out what these people do. <laughs> but they must have gotten paid a lot of money to come up with those words. Right, so. right, right. We worked it. We worked to maximize blah blah blah. blah yeah. maxim, a lot yeah. of maximize and paradigm shifting. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Usually, as soon as I hit the word synergy, I'm gone. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. That's yeah. an automatic out. <laughs> You know, and we're we're all kind of in the same business, but we talk when clients back to a little bit to thought leadership. You know, what what do we talk about? Uh, I keep a quote up on my board, which is, "No one believes how great you are if you're the one that has to tell them." And so, how do we how do we make that a story? And so, the way to talk about yourself is through the people you've helped. And so, we're always trying to pull out a client's case studies. That client you have, they've been happy for, for a long time, but when they first came to you, what was the problem? You know, right. What was the arc? I have a problem. 
I'm looking for a solution, get a solution in. And so collecting those tends to make good, whether it's thought leadership or not, Jeff, but it, it's definitely good content because it talks about somebody else. And that's, that's to, to Mitch's point, you're creating some story and that's what a reader wants. They don't want to hear about the features and advantages. They want to hear about the end. They fell in love. They resolved the problem, whatever it is. That's great. All right. So um, such good topics. I'm excited. This is a great mix of people because I feel like there's a lot of overlap in terms of like experiences and, and areas of expertise, which is fun to be able to talk with other people in these similar areas. It's awesome. So great. All right. So I'm going to jump in and do one last tip. So my name is Stephanie Richards and my company is SoGrow Public Relations. And we help companies to really get exposure in the media on the B2B side of things. And we specialize mostly in trade publications. That's our, our, our area of expertise. So today I wanna to talk to you guys about when you've come on with a client and you're expected to do some sort of marketing program, but there's not a business strategy in place. So have you guys ever experienced that where you've come on with a client and they want this beautiful marketing program. This is a little bit about what Rebecca was talking about. They want these beautiful posts on social media. They want all this media coverage. They want these great content pieces like Jeff mentioned. And they want all these sales to come in the door. And the company itself really lacks a business strategy. So um, what as marketers is our role in that situation? Well, the way I see it, there are three options. You can just do the best that you can with what you're given and try to make the best of it and do the best content and the best strategy that you can do. You can decline to work with that client and let your talents be used elsewhere where they may be better used. Or the third option is what I prefer and that's to talk with the client and get on the business strategy level with the company and be able to see if you can help in that situation. And what I found is that a lot of marketers don't necessarily feel like their role is quite at that executive level. They feel a little bit more like, hey, we're this department over here, or our clients have to make all those decisions. And we're actually running into this right now with a company that we're working with, and we are working under this company for this, this other company's client. And so we don't have quite as much leverage to be able to go in and you know, talk with the CEO and, and that sort of thing, because we're, we're doing project work for this other company. And we're running into that. And so it's just the situation where this company does not have a business strategy in place. And so the marketing is just not working. And so one, one thing to do in that situation is just go back to the business strategy and ask them, say, can you please give me your most recent business strategy plan and really dig into that and, and see, A, is the company actually following it? Is there a mismatch there? What's going on with that? Or it could be that they have this great plan and they're just not following it or the marketing is not in alignment with that. And you also may find, which I've been shocked by, they don't actually have a formal business strategy plan that's up to date. I have been shocked at how many companies, large companies, like we're working with a multi-million dollar company and they just do not have any of this solidified and it's really affecting their marketing. And so I just want to encourage us as marketers to be able to go in and offer some support where marketers really shine is in the target market analysis and just understanding a company's target market. So we can bring that to these companies. And even if that's the only piece, even if they just really dig into and solidify, like Rebecca was saying, really get in, who are you selling to? What are you selling? 
marketing needs to be in that conversation. And depending upon your role within the company, this is a, a executive level marketers in this group. And so I feel like we're not just doing one piece of it, but we really need to be at that strategic level participating in those conversations with clients. And so I just want to encourage you to not be afraid to do that. If it's just not working in this company, doesn't have a strategy, you can come in with some target market analysis and be able to help them figure that out. And if it's really outside of your wheelhouse, if you're, you know, hey, I'm just SEO, that's all I do. I just encourage you to see if you can help bring in a business coach. <laughs> Maybe you can suggest somebody who can work on the strategy because at the end of the day, if a company doesn't have their strategy together, their marketing is going to fall apart. And that means your work is not going to be the best that it can be. And you really can only do so much in that sort of environment. So we do have an opportunity to help these companies and not just speak to just that marketing piece, but really speak to the bigger level. So I'm curious, have you guys experienced this? Have you guys ever worked with a company where the example that we have is this company is creating all of these products because they think they can sell them. And so they're just selling them to everybody and anybody that they can imagine would possibly use this product. And so we're stuck with the messaging going, well, we don't even know what to say because this message doesn't speak to that person. So you've got this image, but you've got this message. <laughs> it doesn't work. And so we've experienced that with, with clients before. Does anybody else feel like they've had that experience as well? I think that happens more often than we want to admit. But if that happens, I would call 1-800-REBECCA. <laughs> exactly. That's why Rebecca, we want her in this group. Yeah. The reason I say that is everything... Yeah. In any strategy, everything has to link together. You can't do things in individual pieces, right? Everything has to link. And everything Rebecca talked about in the beginning of who we are, what's our message? As a marketer, you can't build, and for all the content people, you can't build great content if you don't know what the strategy is. Absolutely. And I feel like it, it, my impression is that that underlying uh, problem has fed a lot of the tips that we've heard here today. And, mm -hmm. I, and I think part of that problem is that when clients come to us, they're trying to talk to us about our work, right? So they come to Jeff and they talk about thought leadership. And instead of saying exactly what Jeff was saying was, these are our goals, this is what we want to achieve, et cetera, right? They come and they're saying, you know, they, they, they I, we need to do this in sales or we need to, um, you know, we need to always be getting to yes. And so they are, they themselves are speaking a language that's not natural to them. They're trying to speak the language of our individual expertise. Um, and so a lot is going to be lost in translation, but even just in that development of that thought, because that's, it's not their expertise. So going to what several of you have already mentioned today is reeling it back and saying, well, no, just tell me about what your business and what you want to achieve. Let me be the expert in my subject matter and get you to those results. Absolutely. So great. Such great tips, such great conversation. And thank you guys for being so willing to participate and engage and have conversations. That's what we want this group to be. And I feel like I always walk away learning so much. So thank you guys for participating. Please sign up for the next meeting. It is October 18th. We meet the third Tuesday of every month. And then again, log on at 950 if you just want to chat with everybody and just get to know everybody. I encourage you guys, if you haven't already, put your name and your contact information in the chat. You guys reach out, have coffee, you know, certainly work with each other, refer business to each other. That's, this is such a great group of marketers. And so it's really a valuable resource to have in your back pocket. If you guys want to sign up to become a member, you can go to sogropr.com and there's a tab on the side that says marketing council. 
you can sign up to become a member there. And then with that, you'll be able to set up a profile. You'll be able to comment on the forum that we have. And you can also um, have the videos that we film. You can, if you want to grab your clip and if you want to use it for your own marketing, we're totally fine with that. And then a lot of times we take those video clips and we share them as well to give you guys some extra exposure. And then also listen to the podcast. There are so many great past episodes on there. So you guys could listen for hours and just get so much information like we had today. So thank you guys so much for coming and go and sign up today. And if you want to submit a tip, also do that at SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com backslash submit. And that way we can get you guys slated in to present at the next meeting on October 18th. Thank you so much, everybody. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the SoGrow Marketing Council podcast. Want to be part of our next meeting? Visit SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com and click on the Marketing Council tab to sign up for our next event. Until next time, keep growing.